And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller. And again, we are G220 Radio. This is episode number 557, uh, day before, actually two days before Thanksgiving. And uh, so we want to start by um, wishing everyone to have a, a happy and wonderful Thanksgiving time with your family. Enjoy it. Um, and we will be praying for you and hopefully you'll be praying for us because as Christians, you know, those are times where you get together sometimes with family members who may not be believers. And those conversations can uh, sometimes uh, go in places where you don't want them to go, but you ultimately want them to know Christ. And so you want to take those opportunities when you can uh, to speak the truth to them and just share the love of Christ with them. Uh, and be gracious. So we pray for you, and hope you'll pray for us as we have those encounters as well. Mike, how are we doing this week, man? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Getting ready. Short work week. Thanksgiving, turkey, apple pie. I mean, the Lord is good. Yeah. See, I, I said I had to think about it two days before it, because tomorrow, yeah. actually, I'm off, uh, and I'm off Thursday, um, cause it just happened to be my, my day off fell on Thursday. So they give me, it's a holiday. So they give me the day before. So it kind of worked out nice. And so we're going to my wife's family tomorrow, celebrate Thanksgiving and my boy's birthday. And then we're going to the next day, going to other family members. So it's two days of eating for me <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and to be around family cause family's coming in. And so that'll be, be good. Watch uh, out for that secret Baptist sin. Oh, no, I won't be eating too much, but um, I definitely enjoy myself some stir- stuffing and some turkey and all that. It's good stuff. Uh, good food. I love it. And uh, then pies as well. But tonight we do have a wonderful topic for you today. We're going to be talking about the judgment of the wicked. This is a title of a book. Um, it's the judgment of the wicked. Uh, reasons why a wicked, the wicked must appear before Jesus Christ for judgment. This book here written by Tom Rayborn, and we're going to talk with the author of this book here uh, and talk about the book. And it's it's an important topic because as we talked about going and sharing the gospel and talking to family members at Thanksgiving time or any time of the year, it can be a scary thing to talk to family members because you have close relationships with family members. And we know the gospel can divide and it can cause rifts between family members when you stand for truth. There may be some family members who don't want to have those relationships. So we understand that. And it can be scary. But we ultimately know that without Christ, without Christ, those who do not come to him, they have a fate. They will be judged. This is important. And so that desire that we should have as Christians to want to see them come to know Christ uh, is a thing we're going to talk about here on the program tonight. And so we want to welcome our guest, Tom Rayborn, onto the program. Tom, welcome to G220 Radio, brother. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is a joy uh, to have you on the program with us to talk about this this important topic, this book that you wrote uh, wrote on. My wife always corrects my 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 uh, grammar, but I was going to say writ written writ wrote writ whatever. Uh, but my wife, uh, like I said, she would correct me if uh, she was sitting here next to me. But uh, it's an important topic, and so we want to get into that. But Tom, before we do, brother, I've known you online for a while. This is our first time uh, seeing each other face to face here, um, but I've known you on online for a very long time. And uh, you're another you're street evangelist. You go out and pro- proclaim the gospel in the open air, go to college campuses and whatnot and share the gospel. And so let our listeners get to know a little bit about you. Tell us about yourself and how you came to know the Lord, brother. I'll be glad to. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I was a great sinner. Uh, I loved my sin. Uh, it seemed to uh, escalate, you know, the older I got. 
Um, you know, I, I seem to start off, uh, you know, with a lot of uh, good ambitions as a young guy in junior high and even early high school. You know, my in my thinking, I, I wanted to be a doctor. You know, I, I wanted to make a difference. And I started running with the wrong crowd. And uh, as often happens in sin that begins so little, uh, just took a, a, a deep root in my heart and uh, began to began to flourish. And uh, that, that went all kind of different directions. No need to go into all that. But, but I loved this world. I loved my sin. I loved the flesh. Um, whatever the flesh wanted for the greater part, I gave it. Uh, I was raised in a wonderful home, but not a Christian home, uh, a church-going home. But the church we went to was uh, was just a dead church. There was no life there. There was no gospel. Um, so uh, I, I went up to university up in uh, Decatur, Illinois, to Millican. And uh, my second semester, I got uh, expelled for selling LSD on campus. Mm. And uh, but during that brief time, there was a man I met from a, a actually a neighboring community who tried to share the gospel with me. And uh, I basically told him to get away from me. I used some other words and some other threatenings, but I, I told him to get away from me. And three years later, he finds me again. And now it's 1978. And I've gone through a lot in those next three years. And it wasn't pretty. And uh, he came across my path again with the gospel. And uh, the Lord opened my heart to believe. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've been asked before uh, if, if I was to relate to any one person in the Bible, who might it be? And I remember being asked that for the first time. And very simple answer, the garrison demoniac. Uh, no, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, when the Lord saved me, uh, it was a very, very radical transformation um, it's just amazing. And, and to this day, I, uh, I'm still amazed that here I sit with eternal life, that Jesus is my Lord. He's my, uh, he's the love of my life. He's everything. And you men can say the same. Um, that afternoon I, I called my fiance. Uh, she was at university of Illinois Champaign. I shared the gospel with her, uh, for three and a half hours. <laughs> and uh, part of that time, she said later, she wasn't even listening because she had the phone off to the side asking the Lord to save her. And uh, we got we got married a year later. Uh, we've been married now 43 years and uh, four grown and married children, 19 grandchildren. Oh, wow. And um, just uh, very, very grateful. The Lord has kept us these years. Um I remember telling the, the man that led me to Christ, Jeff Acord, what a what a dear brother. I, I told him that very day uh, that the Lord saved me, that I was going to go back to all the people I'd been selling drugs to. And, uh, you know, that was a fair size list. And, uh, and I did uh, over the next, I don't know what it may have been, um, maybe month. I mean, it was short order. Uh, I, I found these people. They were easy for me to find and, and shared the gospel. And uh, the Lord just gave me a j just an early burden, an early burden for souls. And it's never, I, I think I can honestly say it's never stopped, but it's even the older I'm getting, I sense it more intensifying. Well, I, and I ask him for that, you know, uh, I, I want a greater burden for souls. My, my life is short. I'm, um, if the Lord gives me the 90, the 95 years I've asked him for, well, I'm in the last third of my life. And uh, if he lets me live that long and, 
And uh, I don't want to waste my life, man. I, I don't want to waste my life and live live for trivial matters. There's mm-hmm. souls to to hear the gospel who've never heard before. And um, so that's that's uh, my my testimony in brief. And and so the Lord saved me about 44 years ago. I was 22 years old, and oh, wow. um, uh, I, I praise Him. I, I praise Him every day that I'm, I'm saved and. And, uh, and, and it was all of him. And then to find out, uh, you know, that uh, as I began to understand the scriptures, that from all of eternity, he chose me. Mm-hmm. And the father chose me. And then within time, God, the son comes and purchases my salvation. And then within time, God, the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates me and draws me and unites me to Christ. And and grants me the faith and repentance, and I'm, I'm converted. I'm I'm saved. I and here I am today. All these years later, He's kept me, and and uh, He's gonna He's gonna bring me home. He's able to keep us from stumbling, and to make us stand in His presence blameless with great joy. So uh, I, I praise Him for that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a wonderful uh, testimony, brother. To hear it's it's always a wonderful to hear how the Lord saves another brother or sister out yeah. of the life in which they they lived, and to think about the fact you you said you met this guy, heard this guy sharing the gospel with you. You wanted nothing to do with it. But then as yeah. we look at scriptures and we understand that it is God who's drawing people, some plant mm-hmm. a seed, some water. But what a joy it had to be for this man who comes back around a couple months later. <laughs> sees you again, gives you the gospel and you get saved. I mean, what a joy for this man to experience that. And then get on the phone, like you said, with your now wife and talk to her for three or what did you say? Three or four hours on the phone, three 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 hours. Yeah. Yeah, And, and, and she gets saved. So it's just the power that is in the gospel is so important for us to, to, to recognize while we want to persuade men, as we often say here on the program, yes, we want to persuade men, to come to know to know the Lord, but we ultimately know that it is God who opens the eyes of the blind, yeah. you know. And so, uh, what a, what a blessing it is to to hear your testimony, brother. Mm, thank you. Now, you got into evangelism. Obviously, you said almost immediately. So you get yeah. the gospel. You you get transformed. You <laughs> what Christ has done with you, and you're going yeah. back to these people you sold drugs to <laughs> to share the gospel with them. How, how did yeah. some of that turn out? Some of those conversations, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember the conversations in detail. Of course, it's been a few years, but every one of them received me. Uh, you know, they, they sat down and, and I told them exactly what I was there for. Um, I, I guess I could say the Lord gave me a, a boldness and, and I didn't know much, but I knew enough, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, the man that led me to Christ used a lot of scripture and I memorized a lot right away. And, um, and so I went to them with scripture and, and, uh, of course my, my life, um, the, the change had not gone on for very long for them to be able to see that there was really some difference. But I remember they invited me to a party, uh, a couple of the, the guys invited me to this party and there was going to be all kind of stuff there that, you know, was not, not good. And my, the guy that led me to Christ cautioned me and I, and I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went and I, I didn't partake of any of the things. Um, but I, I got to, sh- I remember that very night uh, down in the basement of these people's home, I was sharing the gospel while people were smoking pot and drinking, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, I had no desire for that. So the Lord really, he, he did a, he did a very kind work of cutting off 
some very outward, strong sin in my life. Mm-hmm. Very thankful. Yeah. 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 Praise the Lord for that. Now that, yeah. now that you've, you've gone out to these individuals that you had um, sold some drugs to yeah. shared the gospel with them, yeah. um, no longer having the desire to do those things that you once did. Yeah. How did you then get involved with, uh, street evangelism or going out to evangelize on the streets and, and just, was this a desire you had from the very beginning to want to tell people? And then it's progressed over time and how you, because I think if we're all telling the story uh, of how God saved us and brought us, there is a maturing over time where I know when I first got saved and I'm telling people I had a zeal without knowledge. And I, and like you said, I knew some scripture. I knew the things that I was hearing. I knew my, my background of where I came out of. Um, and sometimes I did it without thinking through, you know, it was a zeal without knowledge. And sometimes I could be very harsh and it could put some strain on family members. And then you grow over time and you mature. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of how you kind of progressed from, from that point into, you know, going out on the streets. Well, uh, you know, early on I found some gospel tracks. And of course, at the time there wasn't, a, there wasn't much that I was exposed to except, uh, you know, Bill Bright, maybe, you know, the four spiritual flaws, as I call them. And, uh, you know, I somehow I came across those. There was a local uh, Christian bookstore that had a lot of chick tracks, mm-hmm. things like that. So, I mean, I, I, I bought different things. And what I would do, uh, I found that laundromats were a great place to go because people would have their laundry in the machines. They couldn't just get up and leave. Right. Uh, but I would also seriously go to our local hospital uh, just a mile up the road. And I would, I would go to a nurse's station and just ask who has not been visited. Mm. And I would go in and I did this a, a number of times. It was very regular and just uh, sit down and, and tell the person maybe something like, I don't know my exact words, but I'm a minister of the gospel. Um, I, I sort of had long hair and these John Lennon glasses, you know, I, I was definitely a freak if you will. And uh, you know, they probably wonder what kind of a minister could this be, but but, but I don't remember anybody refusing me. I remember people appreciating that I would even come and talk to them. And, mm-hmm. and, and the Lord, I, I mean, the Lord had a lot of growing to do in my life. Uh, I mean, a lot of growing, but, but he, he gave me some good light uh, because I, one thing I wanted it, but I, I, I think that's just, you know, one of the things he was preparing me for is more and more uh, evangelism. But, you know, I was definitely an Arminian at the time. And that was 1978, September, when the Lord saved me. And it wasn't until about 1985, maybe a little sooner, that the Lord brought a man across my path uh, who uh, exposed to me the doctrines of grace, uh, tulip, if you will, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and, and the five solas. And when, uh, when, when the Lord opened my eyes to those, I've often described it, it was like being born again, again, you know. It's like, man, I can't believe that, you know, here I thought I made a decision for God, if you will, a decision for Jesus. And it was all the while that that God chose me, you know, from all of eternity. It's like, you, you've got to be kidding me. You know, this is, this is too good to be true. You know, it, it's just amazing. The whole Trinity was involved in, in our con- salvation and conversion and uh, j- just amazing. He could have left me alone mm. and, uh, and, and I'd be, I probably wouldn't even be alive today. So uh, I, I can't think of a time where evangelism has not been a part of my very regular 
just lifestyle, I think. And, you know, going to a store and handing out a tract, um, you know, I always have gospel tracts with me. It's rare that I don't. Uh, it, it's one of those things where I remember about a week ago, I left the house and I got somewhere and I realized, man, I don't have any gospel tracks. <laughs> and I, I felt like I left my shirt at home or something, you know. Uh, but I remember Ray Comfort saying, if you ever find me without a gospel tract, I'll give you some amount of money. I forget. And that's always stuck in my mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So, so, okay. So you're coming into some of the doctrines of grace, always going out, having a tract on you um, to share the gospel. Yeah. And then what about getting into like street evangelism as far as open air preaching at some of the college campuses? How did you mm -hmm. get in, involved in that? You know, my first exposure to open air preaching was uh, Ray Comfort. And I think a lot of people might have a similar uh, testimony about that, if you will. And so it was, if I recall right, in 2002, maybe, um, that I went to one of the master, um, what did they call them back then, maybe still the Master Academy or something. And we actually went out to Seattle. And that was the first time I open-air preached. And I had never heard of an open-air preacher before. Mm -hmm. uh, and I and I read many biographies, and maybe I just didn't catch it or something. I don't know. Um, but I, I felt, you know, you know, after I started uh, going out on streets and, and preaching, uh, it's like I, I felt that I had wasted a, a part of my previous walk with Christ. I could have been doing this. And uh, but I was at least thankful that, uh, you know, when I was about, uh, you know, 78 to 98, about 25 years old in the Lord, something like that, um, that that. You know, he exposed me to open air preaching and, and, but there was nobody around here. I mean, you know, back then there just wasn't a lot of people that I knew at least uh, doing any open air preaching. But um, so I, I didn't do it as regular as I do it now, but starting in about 2008, I think it was uh, because I remember some different events going on that I, I really started on a very regular basis, just going out on a street corner uh, there are several campuses that I go to regularly. Well, uh, there have been four that I went to every week until COVID. Uh, I, I do one on Tuesday, then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, But I had to change up that routine with COVID because I didn't have access to the campuses. Uh, they were shut down uh, or they were like ghost towns. Uh, so you find someplace else, you know, there's, there's always places to go. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Uh, and, and I've got a couple of brothers, uh, one of them, local Jeff Kirkland. Uh, he's a local pastor in St. Louis, a dear brother, very solid. And then Del Souter um, up, uh, up in central Illinois. We, in fact, I'll be up there on uh, Friday uh, with him. We'll be going up to Chicago. So uh, always look forward to that. That's a good time. Yeah, I, I've uh, had Dell on the show before, uh, many years ago in the oh. past. But uh, it's a good uh, evangelism group of guys up there I know of that uh, you know go out there and faithfully proclaim the gospel. And that's a big city, so you know, yeah, uh, yeah it's good to have those guys. Like we were talking about a little bit before the show, it's good to have those brothers where you can get together, fellowship with them, and do some ministry with them. But also that importance, because we, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, that importance of being local. 
mm-hmm. you know, like in your area. So it's great to get together. It's great to uh, be encouraged by one another and encourage one another and pray for one another and minister with one another. But locally, being able to go out to those local campuses that you're at or the things that are close around you, mm-hmm. you're able to see what I've n- learned is you're able to see a lot of the same faces. That's right. So you're getting a rapport with people. Sometimes it's not the rapport that they or that you would hope all the time, but it's it's a rapport nonetheless. Yeah. And then over time, you, you get to see where people that were hostile now come by and say, hey, you know, or you get to see the Lord sometimes working to soften their heart towards you. Yeah. Um, and you just pray that these conversations will lead to transformation in their yeah. heart. And that's what we pray for. So and one of the local, ahead. one of the local campuses I've been at for uh, almost seven years now, every week, except for a little break with COVID. I, I've seen some wonderful things happen there and the, the Lord very kindly uh, moving in some young people's lives. I'm so burdened for those, those young people. And, and uh, it's Southern Illinois university, Edwardsville. Um, they call themselves the gay campus. Mm. Uh, that's their reputation. And about 12,000 students, and uh, they can be quite quite hostile. Uh, but the uh, both the administration and the police have told me I have their support. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know me. I've been there for years. And um, but then also uh, one or two days a week, I go to a local uh, to our local county court complex. Uh, pretty good size. And there's a lot of people coming and going. You know, walking out to lunch and things because there's little restaurants here and there. And, uh, and I'm there every week and sometimes twice a week. I was there yesterday and I'll stand there and preach for an hour to an hour and a half and pass out tracks as people are coming by. I don't have any help. I don't, I don't have any local brothers to go out with me. So I, I mean, what do I do? I go alone and, uh, and, and I will. Um, but, uh, I sure like to have another brother to come and help and, and uh, maybe share some of the preaching and, and be passing out tracks. We could reach more people. But, you know, for right now, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a prayer I will add to my my list for you that the yeah. Lord would maybe bring another local brother um, to, you know, kind of come out and encourage you in that way. But also, well, you, you know, reach more people for Christ. And so now we want to get into this book. And and we've talked about this. You've graciously said you're willing to give away some copies of this book. So here on yeah. the program, we want to give an opportunity. Um, if you would go and hashtag G220 Radio, share this episode on your Facebook or your YouTube channel, um, share it in your community. Well, I don't know if you could share it on YouTube unless you have a community, but either way, share this episode. Uh, If you can't share it on YouTube, if you're watching there, you can email us either way, YouTube or Facebook, email us at g220radio at gmail.com. It's going to make it simple here at gmail.com and let us know you would like to get a copy of this book. Um, We're going to have up to 10, I believe, copies copies. to give away free shipping and everything in the United States, not outside the United States. Um, but free shipping as well. And so, but we want to get this in the hands of, uh, you, the listener free of charge. Uh, Tom's going to graciously do that with the caveat. He wants you to read the book. So (laughs) please read the book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but getting into this book now. So again, real quick, G220 radio, gmail.com. Let us know you would like to get this book. Uh, and, and if you can on Facebook, go and hashtag that as well. And so then the first 10 uh, that get in, we will 
go ahead and get those information to Tom and get you that book. So Tom, getting into this book, um, we've talked about, you've been out at some college campuses. What stirred up in you this desire to write a book about the, ju- about the judgment of the wicked as well? Because yeah. that's, a, yeah. that's a, a big topic to take on right out the <laughs> gate, right? Well, I, I never intended to write a book in, in my life. I never thought a book would come out of this. But uh, Del Suter and I were up at Illinois State University. We went there every week, uh, every Thursday for a long time. And it was January of 2020. And uh, Del was preaching. I mentioned that in the foreword of the book, I think, or the intro. And and uh, Del was preaching. And uh, Del had a crowd. <laughs> it was great. He's one of the finest open-air preachers I've ever heard. His ability to, to open up scripture and, and just... And, and, and to bite into the soul and to the conscience and to, and to just to like grab uh, his hearers and bring them into this, this reality and this truth. Well, you know, he, he had quite a crowd. I didn't draw the crowd. And um, so he sort of motioned to me, you know, we tag team and uh, I got up to, to speak. And, uh, you know, I, we always have a Bible in our hand and not just for show, but I like to have mine open. I like to actually read from it, uh, not extensively, but I want people to know where I'm getting what I'm saying mm-hmm. and that I'll, I'll hold it up. You know, this is God's word. And anyway, probably like you, man, I've, uh, you know, memorized a lot of scriptures over the years and a lot of them uh, on the topic of judgment. It's so critical to the whole gospel message. Uh, there's no gospel uh, unless you bring out the reality of, of man's lost condition, his soon coming judgment and the reality of eternity in God's lake of fire. Well, I started uh, preaching and all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I sort of remember the, uh, just, just what was going on, uh, very ethereal in a sense that these scriptures just began coming alive. The Lord was helping. And, and I was seeing the reality of judgment day and the lost man standing there and I was seeing it from all these different positions, if you will, uh, viewpoints. Uh, it's like seeing a really good auto accident and mm-hmm. people are looking out their windows or standing on street corners. They're just seeing it from all over. Anyway, uh, all these scriptures, I, I would go from, you know, some of the ones we're very familiar with, you know, Ecclesiastes 12, 14 or Matthew 25, you know, 31 to 46, or, you know, Revelation 20, 11 to 15, just all these verses and, uh, and bring out different things. And, and, uh, you know, I said something like, let, let me bring you to that day. You're standing there now. And, uh, and then just one after the next. So when I was done, I remember Dell coming up and I don't remember his exact words, but something like, you know, brother, where did that come from? <laughs> and I'm thinking the same thing. And uh, so I always have a notebook with me, whether I, I catch things from other street preachers like Dell, I'll write down notes. It's like, man, I like that. And uh, Dell normally tries to copyright things. So you have to pay him money. I'm kidding. I hope he's <laughs> listening. But anyway, <laughs> um so seriously, I went over and I sat down and I started writing down as many of these things I could remember. And I, I don't know, maybe I only wrote down 10. I, I can't say right now. Um, and I, I remember coming home and uh, COVID had just started. And so, 
you know, they're, they're sort of telling everybody to lock down and all this stuff we won't get into. But I, I had some extra time and, and I started playing around with it. And I told Dell and Jeff Kirkland, I was thinking about turning this into a, a book if the Lord would allow it. So it took about a year and a half. And um, uh, we, we went through a couple uh, pretty difficult things during that year and a half. So I had a little, little break. Uh, we had, had some serious stuff. Uh, with a family member passing away very young, very young. And uh, it, it just, it tore us up. And, uh, but then, you know, I, I wasn't sure it would ever turn into much several times. I just put it away and I thought, ah, you know, get on to other things. This will never be a book just, and, but you know, over time it, it did. And, and, um, but brothers, I can honestly say there was times of writing this book to where the Lord had me on my face uh, he, he let me very, very little. I don't want to make much of it. I didn't see anything. It was nothing like that, but he seemed to lay upon my soul, the reality of judgment day. Mm. I, you know, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but to where it terrified me and, and only a minute maybe, or, or maybe it was 10 seconds. I don't know what it was, but it terrified me. And I, I can't even imagine to this very day, my wife, could tell you we we or she hears it from me i i talk about these things almost daily it's just part of it's it's the fabric of who i am and and i cannot imagine the lost man standing there on that day getting ready to be thrown into the lake of fire and mm-hmm. then he, hearing those terrifying words depart from me you cursed one into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels and we we have to proclaim this we have to we have to warn, um, and we should do it with great passion, uh, hopefully with, with the love and, and the anointing of the Spirit that we're not being mm-hmm. rude or, or brash or harsh or I've got something you don't have, you know, but but with great passion and love for that lost person realizing that that could be me, and it ought to be me. It ought mm-hmm. to be me. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is a terrifying thing. I remember one one day I was driving home, and I, I had been saved for a little while. I had been sharing the gospel with people that I would come in contact with, especially a lot with my family. Like I said, at that time, I had a lot of zeal without knowledge, and I was a little you know, harsh sometimes in the way because I was a false convert, and they were false converts, and I saw that, and I just recognized, no, I don't want you to be here. And... uh Thankfully, over time, the Lord has matured me in that, and I I try to do it more with compassion and love for them, which I had compassion then, but it didn't come across to them that way. But I was driving home one time from work, and I was just looking at the cars passing me and the people driving, and I broke down in tears, and I said, all these people passing me, if they don't know Jesus, you know, they're going to be spending an eternity in hell, and that's a scary thing. And so... You know, it's it's so important for us as Christians uh, to to lovingly, like you said, it comes with time. I think even brand new believers, sometimes we, we want to share it. We have a desire, but it comes with this is part of, I think, the importance of a local church and, and a discipleship and having other brothers who can hold you accountable and 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 basically, you know, help you in your discipleship growth so that you learn to be. Uh, wise in your conversation with people lovingly. Uh, and yeah. so, 
But that that reality hits home because <clears throat> when we read the scriptures, if we believe what it says, and as Christians, we should believe the word of God, then this is where the lost will be. Yeah. Um, Mike, anything you'd add? You're on mute. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when we... I mean, from the early set of the Bible, you see what God is going to do to sinners. You know, you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Or in the Hebrew, you in dying, you die. Like, it's this double... He uses the word twice. And to think about what that means that the creator of the universe says if you sin against me the punishment is death mm -hmm. and just to let that sit on it and obviously for the unbeliever they don't want to because they in one sense are lavished with god's goodness and their daily life. But is that it is that kind of thinking on that, mm -hmm. that I have sinned against the creator God. And he's from the beginning of the Bible. You have this idea of what happens when you sin against God. Yeah. And it's yeah. never a good thing. It wasn't a good thing for the animals that God had to kill to make clothing for Adam and Eve. And, mm -hmm. you know, what a mercy that he didn't strike them dead then. But we do see in, uh, you know, Genesis 5 that Adam died. Um, yeah. I, I have that labeled as God's graveyard. Um, mm. You know, he may, not, he may not pay today, but payday's coming. And I'm not trying mm. to be trite. Um, you know, Adam and, you know, he told Adam and Eve, the day that you eat, you will die. And, and they did die spiritually. Right. But he, you know, they tried to sow fig leaves, you know, self-righteousness, whatever, you know, covering themselves up. But God goes and kills a, an innocent animal or animals and shed blood. And it was an innocent substitute. And what do we see? You know, what a, what a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ in the cross, you know. Uh, just amazing that God himself would come and take our place. Yeah. I, I often think about that, right? The the fact that God kills an animal, sheds the blood of the animal, and takes the skin of this animal to cover them. Mm -hmm. And you think about how bloody and how horrific this imagery would be for them to see this. No animals are dying, right? They're not killing these animals, mm -hmm. right? And then you're seeing this bloodshed these animal skin you know being uh, cut off and then used as a garment a garment to cover mm -hmm. over and just the picture there and then ultimately we see this horrific picture of christ who sheds his blood mm -hmm. nailed to a cross you know beaten with the cat of nine tails and his blood is shed to save sinners yeah you know and um you think about it just what they would have had to or would have maybe been going, would have, would have been, can't even spit it out, but going through their mind to see that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They've so, never I mean, yeah. seen death. There'd been no yeah. death up to that point. Yeah. You know, to watch that little animal, whatever the thing was, I, I, I sort of think it was a sheep, but I don't know that. 
could have been a gazelle. Um, but there was death nonetheless, and God caused the death the same way God caused God to die on the cross, put him, put him up there. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mike, you was going to say? Yeah, I know just Josephus talks about the temple during festivals, and that blood is just everywhere. It's like a sea of blood yeah. from all the sacrifices. And I mean, the, the, as intended, it's a sobering moment. Mm-hmm. When we understand, and we talked a little bit about this last week in the Proverbs or a couple weeks ago, on, you know, God doesn't delight in sacrifices, but obedience. Mm-hmm. It's because the sacrifices reminded that we're separated from God. Adam and Eve can't be with God anymore because they've sinned. Mm-hmm. So they need to be clothed in order to be with them. And that's a theme that repeats itself over and over throughout the Mosaic covenant, throughout the new covenant, and even into here kind of bringing it back to the book. When we stand in front of, in front of God on the last day Mm -hmm. and what, how do you get to see God in heaven? Well, you have to be covered by him. And the wicked are not so. Right. You know, they're Mm. like shaft that the wind drives away. Yeah. And to to think about what that means. And even to get into the fact that when they go to hell, in one sense, God is there, but Mm. they don't experience God like they do here on earth. They lose his goodness and his grace and his long suffering and only feel the wrath and judgment mm-hmm. that they're getting. And the, I mean, that should just be, again, that sobering moment in the gospel message that that's who I am, that mm-hmm. I am dead in my trespasses and sins. Yeah, And I stand before a living and holy God who yeah. cannot have sin present in front of him. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And, and so understanding that importance of recognizing that we are wicked before the, before the Lord, uh, apart from him, apart from him, his covering us, apart from his righteousness, there's nothing in us that is righteous. Sometimes that's hard for an unbeliever to grasp that they are a wicked individual. So, go, ahead, Tom. Maybe speak to this. Like, who is the wicked? I mean, we, we've already alluded to we all are wicked apart from Christ. Yeah. But these individuals who are without Christ, who sometimes uh, justify themselves by themselves and account for their own goodness, thinking worldly standards is goodness. Yeah. Well, in my first chapter, in fact, uh, the first chapter was my last chapter I wrote. Uh, I remember driving along one day, and I'm thinking about my book. And you know, I'm still in the writing phase, but I'm pretty pretty close to done. And all of a sudden, it hits me. You know, you know, the judgment of the wicked. Somebody might ask, "Well, who are the wicked? You know, why mm-hmm. why do you call them that?" So the last my my first chapter was the last chapter I actually wrote. I I went back and and added that in. The, the word for wicked uh, often used is paneros, and it means somebody guilty of crimes. 
And uh, that, I mean, that's one way to, to look at it. It's a little bit more pregnant than that, but, but that's, that's a good distilled uh, definition. And uh, one of the verses that I, I go to is uh, Matthew chapter 13, 46 to 50, where you see the good fish and the bad fish. And as Jesus explains the parable, he says uh, that he will take, the angels will take out the wicked from the righteous and the word there, paniros, and throw them into the furnace of fire. So, you know, there you have a picture of these people uh, who are, they're criminals against God and they're worthy of this furnace. Uh, you have the same um, picture in, uh, and Mike had referred to it, alluded to it in Psalm 1. You know, the wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. They will not stand in the day of judgment. Uh, and, and that idea of stand, they're going to they're gonna be there. And in a sense, they're going to be standing there, but they won't be acquitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they won't be left in a, in a good standing, as we might say. So again, they're, they're criminals. Uh, think also of, you know, Matthew chapter uh, 7, 20, uh, what, 21 to 23, is it? Um, mm-hmm. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And, and their identification is those who practice lawlessness. So these people, uh, whether they're called lawless, whether they're called wicked, it's the same group. Uh, as I often say in my preaching on the streets, I said it yesterday, there's always and only two groups before God, the righteous and the wicked. Uh, you fall into one of those. Whoever you are, you're in one of those two groups. Uh, you're either on the broad road or the narrow road. We can think of it that way, saved or lost, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but But here's this group of people that, uh, they've rebelled against God uh, in, in various ways. For one person, you know, like myself, I was involved in all the deeds of the flesh. Another person over here may be squeaky clean, but they're a covetous man. And the only thing they chase is money, let's say, but everything else about them, you know, they may appear to be, uh, you know, a, a clean individual. Mm-hmm. So here you have these two groups. And even right now within churches, uh, when I say churches, you know, a gathering on a Sunday, let's say, and you have the righteous and the wicked, you have the wheat and the tares right there. Uh, and you yourself don't know who they are, but the Lord knows who's those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Uh, I've often said on the streets, uh, you know, re- regarding a make-believer, Somebody could bring a kid along. We have four children. My wife and I have, we have four children. Somebody could bring a fifth kid along and say, hey, this is your kid. So, no, it's not. I know my children. You can't fool me. I know those who are mine. And the Lord knows his own sheep. And, uh, but he also has this other set over here called his goats, Matthew 25, of course. And, and uh, so I don't know if that answered the question well. Uh, my first chapter goes into who are the wicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's helpful um, because, again, I think we often people will tend to try to justify themselves. I yeah. know speaking to a lot of Roman Catholics, um, which I do believe there are some Roman Catholics who are believers who at some point will recognize they're in a an apostate church and they'll come out of that. Um, but I've had a lot of interactions with Roman Catholics who will, um, and they're not the only ones, but this is the majority of, of these kind of conversations. The way they go with mm-hmm. me is they justify their own goodness. Yeah. Well, I'm a good person. I do these things. And so therefore 
God's not going to send me to hell. And I think that's one of the things we, we have to rightly understand that we're all wicked apart from Christ and yeah. no amount of works or good things that we think we do, while it may be a good thing to take some food over to your neighbor who is hurting or struggling, that's a good thing. And that I think testifies to the goodness of God in the fact that he has created us in his likeness, in his image. So therefore we have those types of attributes that he shared with us in the creation. And so I think it testifies against us, those who are claiming to rebel against God, uh, testifies against them, but they may do those good things, but those good things do not earn them righteousness before God. Yeah. So apart from him, we are all wicked. We are yeah. by nature, children of wrath, born mm -hmm. sinners because of our, our covenant head, Adam, who has sinned. And we are under his, his under, under Adam, we are by nature sinners. And so therefore, then when we come to Christ and we're covered in his righteousness, then we are, our nature has been changed. Now yeah. we have this new nature. We are a new creation in Christ. And what a, what a joy that is for that individual, for the believer to have that peace that surpasses all understanding that, that comfort in knowing that they are in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm reminded of Calvin very early on in the institutes when he is thinking about knowledge and tr what is true knowledge <clears throat> and the idea that we can't truly know who we are without looking towards God. Like we can't look at the people around us and be able to get to a knowledge of what, of who God is and who we really are, that we have to look towards God. I think that plays a part when we think about it, because the wicked, they look around us and they see They see themselves among other people. There's always someone worse than I am. Mm -hmm. And to to think of to think about then and to draw the sinner to not consider his neighbor. Am I better than the next the person mm -hmm. next to me? We can always find faults. We could always put ourselves up. But kind of I mean, and the importance of the law is comparing them, okay, to the creator of the universe. He's the one who's created. He's the one who gets to determine who we are. And I mean, you look at Romans one and just that idea of them forgetting the creator. They don't acknowledge the creator. And yet you have that sneaky little line in two in chapter two, when he's talking to the Jews that the Gentiles do by nature, what the Jews are commanded to do mm -hmm. and is having that, taking ourselves out kind of out of ourselves and elevating ourselves <clears throat> to kind of a higher order, a higher thought. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got about 10 minutes left in the program here tonight. Um, but why don't you go ahead, uh, Tom, and tell us a little bit more about where you go in the book. Some of the things you may want to share with us. Uh, from the book. And actually, I do have a question for you before we get there. 
um, a question was asked earlier about um, some gospel tracks. So before we go, if you could share some, maybe some, some tracks that you use or where you get some gospel tracks um, because they were interested in, in hearing about that. Yeah. In fact, real quick, I'll, I'll mention, I just, I just wrote a new one and uh, Marv Plementosh uh, is printing them today. And um, I, I had several brothers um, uh, review it, uh, Del Suter and uh, Scott Smith and um, uh, Marv read it as well. And, and so it's a trifold tract and another one I wrote, um, you know, it's, it's a smaller tract. I write most of my own, um, but uh, so it's a smaller one. And, um, but I'm, I'm always glad to send the PDFs to people and they can have them printed themselves. Uh, if anybody's ever interested, I'm, if they send me a, an email, I'll send them the template. And if they like it, they can use it. If they don't like it, well, just delete it. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's never a cost. I don't want anything. So um, trying to think of where to go. We just have a few minutes left. Uh, the, 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 the tenor of the book, if somebody was to read through it, one of the things that they will notice is uh, as I'm expounding scripture, because oftentimes I use a lot of scripture in the book and I draw a lot from the Puritans. Uh, I, I love the Puritan brothers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, I, I've, I've got stacks of books here to my side on hell and the wrath of God and, and uh, the judgment day. And uh, I've got so many books on, on those topics that I've accumulated over the years. And those men have helped form my the way I think and process and and then therefore speak, uh, you know, especially when I'm you know preaching out on the streets. Um, so the 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 flavor of the book, I'll be expounding something, but then I turn and direct it at the heart and conscience, and I'll and I'll ask you know the reader, you know, dear reader, where are you at right now? You know, um, you know, is this beginning to settle on your soul that? that you're either in Christ or you're in Adam. Uh, if you're in Adam, has it also hit you uh, that right now you're under the wrath of God? You're a heartbeat from hell, a heartbeat from, from the full damnation of God, if you will, and saying it some different ways. But uh, that was one of the things Scott Smith, when he reviewed it, and Jimmy Hamilton, both, they said it had a, a very Puritan-esque feel to it mm. um, uh, with, uh, you know, with, with the... Uh, application of scripture and, and, uh, you know, some very searching and, and probing thoughts and, and uh, questions, but I was trying to, I, I don't like to just leave scripture on an intellectual basis. I do like to explain it if the Lord allows mm-hmm. and helps. Uh, but then we need to take that and, and apply it to the heart and to the you know conscience of man, the best we're able and try and dig deeper. So probably the, you know, the largest section of the book, um, runs for almost a hundred pages. The book itself is roughly 230 pages. And, but the biggest section is where I get into these, what I call the reasons the wicked must appear before Jesus Christ for judgment. And I begin taking these different verses on judgment. And as I meditated on them and, and thought through them, and I would go for long walks and just mull things over and, and, uh, you know, ask the Lord, what, if a lost person is there and this verse is being played out, what's going on? What's that person experiencing? Sort of put me there, Lord, you know, to say it that way. 
And uh, so I've got 26 reasons and uh, there's a little bit of overlap sometimes between one or two, but much more could have been said. This, this book could have been 800 pages. You know, mm-hmm. I, I come across, you know, so many different scriptures and I think, oh man, why, why didn't <laughs> I include that one? You know, that, that's a good one. I, I miss that, you know, and somebody's going to, somebody's going to really pull me out, you know, call me out on that. Um, but, you know, I mean, just for instance, uh, some of the reasons out of, out of the 26, uh, for instance, that, uh, you know, that, that the lost man is going to stand before Jesus Christ, this one who they judged unworthy of their love, mm-hmm. uh, and they judged him unrighteously, Christ is going to judge them in righteousness. Um, and I deal with that whole idea. You know, did you see nothing worthy of love in Christ? How could that be? What absurdity. Uh, In fact, uh, uh, I think it's Thomas Watson. I have a quote of his. And he he pictures that day where a bunch of these people that are in the line of the goats getting ready to be judged and thrown into the lake of fire. And they have a conversation among themselves. And they see Jesus high and exalted uh, up on his throne of glory. And they say, is, is this the one we heard so much about? You know, and you can hear this and they're going back and forth. And yes, that was the one the ministers kept telling us we must have or we perish. Yeah, but we laughed at that minister. We scorned him and we mocked him. But look at him now, you know, and, and they're going on in this conversation uh, in, in a way that sometimes only a Puritan, one of those dear brothers could could really pull out and and, and almost get you emotionally involved in the whole matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you, um, you consider this, consider how many times you and I have called out to people and called them to come to Jesus. We've summoned them, uh, come to Jesus feast on this one, you know, Luke 14, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Isaiah 25, come to this feast. that has been laid out in Christ, the bread of life, the water of life. If any man is thirsty, etc. Uh, you know, come to him and dine and eat on a, all these delicacies, if you will, eternal life. And, and of course, it's Christ himself uh, that, that is really the focus. Um, but think about how many times we have called to people. And in a sense, humanly speaking, and, and they have, they've refused. Mm-hmm. But Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 29, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, uh, an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear my voice and will come forth. Uh, those who did good to a resurrection of life, those who did evil to a resurrection of judgment. Just as certain as I put it in the book that Jesus called one man, that Lazarus, and Lazarus came forth mm-hmm. uh, so certainly on that day when Jesus calls and, and his voice permeates the regions of Hades and, and death as as we see in Revelation 20. Uh, so everybody will be summoned and it will be a, an irrefusable summons. Nobody on that day will be saying, I'm not coming. Right. <laughs> They're coming. Um, yeah. you, you know, another thing is to think about, and, and I know we're up against the time here, uh, but, but think about th- that line, the line of the sheep, and you got the line of the goats. And I started thinking one day, who knows what that'll really look like, but you've got those two lines. And what about one of those people that's a goat looks over and they see, they see a guy that they knew. Mm-hmm. They said, wait a minute, that, 
that guy lived next door to me. You know, he was a homosexual and, and he committed all these other things too. What's he doing with a white robe on to say it that way? How did he get there? Oh, the blood of Christ. And so I go into just, just the glory that, that they get to see this one high and exalted, uh, this glorious savior uh, whose one time work on the cross of, of atonement, of redemption, uh, of reconciliation, of, of cleansing, everything that was associated with the cross uh, was so great to cleanse a multitude which nobody could count. And within that mm. multitude, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, you know, uh, you have that little list of people, but then such were some of you. Right. Uh, but but this whole book, really when it'll distill, uh, it's about the glory of Christ. Mm. It's not so much on, on the judgment of the wicked, it's that, but it's the glory of Christ. And that's what I, I keep trying to point to in the book. And if I haven't achieved that, that book is worthless. Mm. It's worthless. If, if Christ is not viewed something more beautiful and, and majestic and supreme, and what do you say about one, that this God man who came to rescue us, brothers, what yeah. do you say about him? And so ultimately that's, that's my desire is Christ is lifted up uh, and exalted. Yeah. That is good, brother. That is really, really um, good. Good to hear as well. You know, you're explaining of that. And and like you said, I mean, <clears throat> everything, even the judgment of the wicked is ultimately for the glory of God and he yeah. will be magnified. He will be yeah. exalted. And so our hope, our desire for those who don't know Christ is that they would come to know him. Amen. They would come to know him. Before we end the show, Mike, is there any... Um, I want to have you close us out, Tom, with the gospel. Well, Mike, is there any last thoughts or things you would want to say before before Tom uh, shares the gospel with us here? Mm. You're on. You're on mute, brother. As I was saying, it's been a really good show, and I think just for our listeners, even as Christians we should think about these things because it's thinking about these things that should encourage our hearts, embolden our hearts to be ones who take the gospels to our neighbors, to our people we're going to be visiting with during this kind of holiday season, Easter, Christmas, New Year's, all of it. And it is thinking about the judgment of the wicked and what that means mm -hmm. that should prepare or propel our hearts into being bold witnesses for the God who comes to seek sinners mm -hmm. for his glory. God hasn't just left sinners by themselves. I'm kind of taking Tom's part, but just for us to think about these things. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's a good show just to help encourage our hearts to be bold for evangelism. Amen. Yeah. All right, Tom, go ahead and um, share the gospel with us. Uh, maybe there's someone listening that uh, has never heard the gospel, the good news of Christ, or maybe there's just believers listening because we need the gospel as well. We That's Amen. something we, we should just <laughs> desire and love to hear. So Amen. go ahead and share it with us, brother. Oh, the gospel is Jesus Christ. There, there's none, none so sweet, so lovely. Uh, so full of glory, uh, so so wonderful as 
as Jesus. He's the pearl of great price that you, you find him and, and you're willing to give up everything. When when God the Father shows you who God the Son is and, and uh, you, you see him for his beauty and glory and the majestic work he did on the cross, and at the same time, you see what a sinner you are, uh, that you angered a holy God with your sin. It's amazing you're even alive right now if you're lost. It's amazing he's let you see today. It's amazing he hasn't swept you away right now into Hades, only to be dredged up on the day of judgment, to be officially and publicly condemned and thrown away into the lake of fire. If you're watching or listening right now and you're lost, you, you should tremble. Uh, you, you should tremble. Uh, you should be utterly terrified because you're literally a heartbeat from hell. That's it. Mm. And there's no escaping hell. You'll never get out of it. Uh, it's indescribable. Uh, somebody would say, uh, you're, you're, you're making too much of this matter. You can't make enough of it. Mm. Uh, it, it it's, it's horrible, but it's just because God is holy. And that's the one you've sinned against. And here's this dire situation you're in. And if you're beginning to see it, I trust it's because God, the Holy Spirit, is beginning to convict you and in convicting you of your sin, showing you also what Christ has done for sinners like you. Uh, he said, I've come to seek and save the lost. I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. As Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Uh, mm -hmm. He said, of whom I'm chief. And let me say that there, there's nobody Jesus won't and can't save his his one-time work on the cross, dying for sinners, he saves the worst. He saved me, as I've often told kids on campuses who are really entrenched in sin. If he could save me, there's nobody beyond his saving power. But not only did he die on the cross, he was buried and three days later rose victorious and uh, that he has authority over life and, and death and, and Satan and and uh, for the for the man or woman who right now says, you know, up to this point in my life, I, I've I've been lost in my sins. I see something of of the beauty and glory of Christ, and and, and I must have Him. Cry out to Him. There, there's no formula. There's no canned prayer. Just cry out to Him as a desperate man or woman, saying, "I've got to have Jesus, or I'll perish." And that's right. You will. You 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 go to hell for all of eternity. And but but there's no need for that. Come to Jesus Christ today. Believe upon the Lord and you'll be saved. He'll wipe away your sins. He'll give you eternal life. You'll never perish. He'll call you his own. He'll keep you until that day he brings you home. But in the meantime, you'll probably go through the hardest days or years you've ever gone through. There's no easy believism and there's no cheap following Christ. Uh, if, he, if he saves you, You've got to radically follow him. Give up everything to have Jesus. He's worth it. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. And as Mike King said there, praise God. Praise God. Amen. And if you'd like to get a copy of this book, again, we would love for you to share this episode so others will hear it. Uh, hashtag G220 Radio in that sharing of this episode. And email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, it's g220radio at gmail.com. And let us know you would like to have a copy of this book. And we will get that to Tom and uh, we will get that out to you should you desire uh, the book. So, Tom, again, we want to thank you for coming on the program, uh, brother. It really has thanks, been a joy guys. to have you on, to share uh, your heart in this and uh, the desire to see people come to know Jesus. Mm. Um, so, brother, we'll be praying for you as you continue, you. you know, um, 
going out and proclaiming Christ. And so thank you again for coming on the program. Thanks brothers. Good to be all. Yes, absolutely. And next week we'll be on the program. Um, we're going to have a conversation with an individual who um, trying to look at the title of the program. Uh, it's called why Calvinism is bad. We are reformed here, so it's not our position, but we're going to have this conversation with someone who is not uh, reformed and we look to do so in a gracious, loving, compassionate way. Uh, and so tune in next week as we have that conversation. Until then, have a happy Thanksgiving and God bless.